And I came out of that and I just wanted like everyone to feel this like aliveness that I had felt. And I didn't realize, right, until after that, how much I was just kind of walking around and existing on like autopilot every day and just kind of feeling blah and numb. I felt alive for the first time, you know, in however long I could remember. And that was the start of all of this. Hello, and welcome to the Anxious and Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm on a mission to change the way that we think about anxiety. Oftentimes, it can feel like anxiety can get in the way of our ambitions, and I'm here to tell a different story. In each episode, we'll explore how we can manage our anxiety, heal our nervous system, and conquer our fears so we can shine as our most authentic self, go after our biggest dreams, and achieve our greatest ambitions. You'll hear stories from people who have been there themselves and strategies from experts who can help you thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to the Anxious and Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm joined by a very special guest today, Dominice Clifton, who I am so excited to introduce to you and to talk with. I know she has so many insights to share with us, but first I just want to share with you a little bit about who Dominice is. So Dominice is the founder of Move and Still Nourish Wellness Collective and the host of the School of Healing podcast. She's a lifelong learner, speaker, and author, and she recently published a new book called Hold Space to Heal. This book offers seven somatic approaches to release stress and trauma for the body, which we'll be diving into a little bit in this episode. And Dominice is also a self-proclaimed stress part, like expert, but with stress, which I just love. She's a registered yoga instructor, a trauma-informed breathwork and meditation facilitator, and she's really passionate about educating others on how to manage their stress more efficiently and release trauma from their bodies, which if you're tuning in here, I know you're going to love this conversation. This is so relevant for us anxious and ambitious folks. So Dominice, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Nicole, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive in and talk today. Yeah, likewise. So to start, I know I gave that more formal introduction, but could you share with us a little bit about yourself and what led you to becoming a, a stress pert? <laughs> so um, I am... Again, Dominice Clifton. I'm I reside in Baltimore, so I'm an East Coast girl, and I'm a mama of two, two little ones. And those are like I think the things that I'm most that is I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is just motherhood and you know being able to guide some little folks through through this human journey. Um, outside of that, I am the founder of Move and Still, and Move and Still is really focused on as an organization supporting schools and supporting youth facing or youth serving organizations with. Uh, holistic wellness programs. And so we really focus on equipping, you know, teachers and educators with stress management tips and mindfulness um, practices. We offer services. I just launched my first product recently. So we also offer wellness kits. And um, outside of that, I'm an author, like you, like you said, a podcaster, but outside of all those titles, I will say that I am someone who has, who is constantly on my own healing journey. And that is what really brought me into the work that I'm doing today. So I never saw myself in the wellness industry. My background is in grant writing and fundraising, and I was in the nonprofit sector. Um, December marks four years of walking away from that and like really being in entrepreneurship and wellness. But yeah, this this was not like the place that I saw myself. 
I started out working on my own self, like working to release a lot of my own unaddressed trauma from my childhood that, you know, caused me to have a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of fear, a lot of my own anxiety and stress. And it it has my journey has essentially evolved from a place of my own like self-work and I've just allowed myself to continue to be guided. And so I originally started in the wellness industry as a nutrition and wellness coach. And I was working with other women who wanted to lose weight or live healthier, manage their, manage their lives and, you know, just balance all the things. And I got into that work because most of my life, I was someone who had an unhealthy relationship with food due to stress, due to unaddressed trauma. And when I finally figured out that healing was such an important component of like managing weight, I then wanted to equip other women with the same tools that had been helpful for me. And it this journey has really just continued to un- unfold. I will, I'll close out by saying that the somatic practices that we're going to dive into today. So the, you know, the things like breathwork, yoga, meditation, have just been so helpful for releasing so much that my body has been holding for working through so many mental blocks that I have or I had. And so I'm an advocate of, you know, really doing body work and focusing on releasing things from the mind and body because I've seen the transformation of myself. And so I know that it works. Um, And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me and my work and why I do the work that I do today. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. It sounds like you've had quite the journey, which I feel like most of us have by the time we get into this healing work, a lot of us have went through our own journeys. And so I do want to dive a little bit more into that, but to start here, I'm really curious because both your podcast is called the school of healing and your book is called hold space to heal. And Mm -hmm. I know for different people, healing looks differently, you know, sounds differently. people think about this term in much different contexts. So for you, what does healing mean to you? So the simplest way to explain healing is that it's a return to wholeness. And what I mean by that is that oftentimes when we, well, not oftentimes, we all, I I am a firm believer that we are all spiritual beings having, living a human existence and having a human experience. And so we come into these beautiful bodies and reincarnate to learn lessons that our souls need to learn to continue to evolve. And when we come here, right, we come here as beings of light, you know, perfect, um, very clear in our purpose. And then we forget all of those things as life happens. And we, you know, as children, we're very connected. And then we kind of lose those that those parts of ourselves. And so for me, I see healing as just a return to that, the most whole version of yourself, the most authentic version of yourself. What happens is when we go through life, right, we get conditioned from society to believe certain things. We get conditioned from family and friends and just like all the people around us. And that really begins to mold and shape who we are. And so we end up being like fragmented versions of ourselves, showing up very inauthentically, like really concerned about people pleasing and external validation and not always walking in our, our true light. And so for me, healing is just a remembering process. It's a returning process. It's not, you know, fixing something that's broken because I don't believe that we are broken. It's really about like, who was I when I first came here and how can I make my way back to that most authentic version of myself? And how can I show up in a way that honors my light and allows my light to shine to, you know, impact the world? Um, And so when I think about healing, that's really um, how I view it and how it's been for me on my own journey and the way that I try to support other people in their own journeys as well. 
Yeah. I think that outlook is so beautiful. I just love that idea of returning to wholeness. And and like you mentioned, coming back to your authenticity, because so many of us, we pick up all these layers as we're going along, like you mentioned conditioning, like things people say to us, right. Even just habits that we picked up as a Mm -hmm. kid to protect ourselves, to protect our heart that we don't realize are still active. So I love that you help people to heal by releasing and reconnecting. And I love that word, remembering Mm -hmm. the most authentic Mm -hmm. version of themselves. So for you, and I'm sure you talk about this in your book, but what do you feel like has been your most favorite way in order to release Mm. some of this trauma, some of those conditioning that isn't serving you? I don't know that I have a favorite. I So the book, I talk about seven specific somatic practices. So, you know, yoga, breathwork, meditation, ecotherapy, which is technically not a somatic practice, but it involves getting your body outside. And so I count that. Um, what else? Yoga Nidra. There's maybe two that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but there's seven in total. And all of the practices that I write about are things that I continue to use on a daily basis to help me in my own journey. Um, if I had to pick one that I say is like my go-to, not necessarily my favorite, I would say breath work, just because it's we always have access to the breath. So when it comes to, you know, doing yoga or doing physical activity and some of the other things, you don't always have the time or maybe in that moment, you can't just, you know, throw out the yoga mat when you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, but we always have access to our breath. And so for me, that is like a go-to just because like you can breathe at any point, you know what I mean? Um, You can breathe for a minute or two minutes in the moment and calm yourself down. And then if you have more time, you can really spend time holding space for yourself with the practice like breath work. And that is so helpful for releasing stored stress, stored trauma on a cellular level. And like, again, like allowing yourself to return towards the most whole version of yourself. And so that's a long way of saying I don't have a favorite, but if someone is like, where can I start? I would say start with breath work just because we all have access to our breath. Yeah, that's so smart. It's so accessible. Like you said, we always have access to our breath. You don't need to be in a certain place. And I like to think that our breath is really like an anchor for the present moment. Oh, I love that. It's always in the present moment. So if you're like detached from your breath, you're probably not in the moment. And so that's just going to, you know, like you said, always bring you back into that present, reduce some of that stress and anxiety. Um, and I do want to dive into a little bit, like how you've used breath work more specifically, but first I'd love if you could share with our listeners, because I know that a lot of the time when we think about healing and especially around mental health healing, we think about going through the mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like a talk therapy and not going against any of these things. All these things are mm-hmm. amazing too. Like talk therapy, affirmations, like, um, reading, right. Mm-hmm. Kind of going from the top down, but somatic is very bottom up. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love if you could share with our listeners a little bit about what somatic really means and why you feel like it's so powerful. I just want to say, I love this question. So thank you for asking this question. Um, Just because I think it's important for folks to understand just like the mind body connection and why it is so important to, um, to hold space for the body. Like you said, a lot of times we just, we, we, we are a, um, a heady society. And so we always think about the mind, but we oftentimes neglect the body. And so when we talk about somatic work, or I always kind of interchange somatic and body centered um, approaches, they're, they're, they're the same. It really just means uh, healing for the body. And so soma, the root word of somatic is, um, is body in Greek. And so it's a literal trans, translation of like, you know, body work, but that's important because when we incur stress, when we incur trauma, 
we hold that in our bodies. We might think about it in the head, but the body stores that. There's a book that um, is called The Body Keeps the Score, which is a really great book. It's it's like a Bible. So it's really like intense, um, not necessarily like where you jump in if you're just starting the journey. But uh, uh, the author talks about just how we hold so much. And I look at our bodies as like living history books. Like there are things that happened to you yesterday that your body will remember. There are things that happened to you a decade ago that your body will remember. And a lot of us don't realize that we are walking around with decades and decades of unaddressed stress and trauma um, that is really causing so much harm. So I always say, so what led me to this work, I will kind of backtrack a little bit and then I'll come back to the question is that when I was working as a nutrition and wellness coach, again, I was working with women. These were very successful women. They were, you know, business owners. They had really thriving careers. Uh, They were getting their PhDs. Like these were women that we would deem successful and they were all really stressed and really overwhelmed trying to balance and manage all the things that they had going on in their lives. And so as a coach, I realized like before we can talk about your nutrition plan or your your workout or whatever, you know, is important for weight loss, we have to address like the burning house right now and like put the fire out. And for my clients, the burning house was their their stress levels. And they didn't know how to properly manage stress. And at that time, as a coach, I didn't really know how to properly manage stress because it's not something that, you know, like we talk, it's not a dinner time conversation. So I started doing more research just to understand like how to reduce stress, like how to, you know, um, another thing is like, if you are focused on weight loss and you are stressed, it's going to be really hard to lose weight because your body is secreting cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And so your body is going to be like doing the opposite of what you want it to do if you're in a stress response. And so for me as a coach, it was important for me to have my clients not be so stressed so that their bodies could go away from that fight or flight, that stress response, and then like give themselves, give their bodies essentially permission to lose weight. And so all of that is tied together. Long story short, started doing all this research and I started realizing like all of the problems that we see in our society today like 90% of those at the root is unaddressed stress and trauma. So when you look at some of the diseases and illness and ailments that are common, diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, um, you know, heart attacks, uh, you know, all of these uh, cardiac uh, issues at the root of those things is unaddressed stress and trauma. When you look at violence, when you look at crime, when you look at like the amount of hate that is spewed in our societies, like, you know, there's, there's, there's hurt there, there's pain there that people have not addressed. And so this is a really big issue. The problem though, is that oftentimes we do just go to therapy when something happens and we talk through our problems and we process through things and we might understand it a lot better. But the 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 issue with that is that we haven't done anything to allow our bodies to release. We haven't given our bodies permission to release. We haven't told our bodies that they were safe enough to let go. And so how I talk and educate people is that, yeah, go to talk therapy, but also do the somatic work, also do the yoga, also do the breath work, also do, you know, go walking or move your body. Because when you do that, you give your body permission to let go. And if you neglect to do that, you can be in therapy for years, talking through your challenges, talking through your 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 trauma, and still be sitting in and experiencing that same trauma. 
Um, and I'll close out by saying that just to give an example of this, I was uh, back in January of this year having a conversation with someone that I went to college with, and she was telling me that she was dealing with depression. And I was asking her, um, what has she been doing to help with, you know, working through her depression, which is something that's very common when it comes to mental health. She was like, well, I've been in therapy now for about three years. Um, she had a miscarriage a couple of years ago. And so she had been in therapy since then, but she said, but I don't really feel like like, you know, anything's changing. Like, I still feel like I'm in the midst of like a very deep depression. And I asked her, well, what have you been doing to, for your body, right? Like, have you done anything to help you with moving that energy from your body? And she said, no. And I said, well, that is a part of the problem right there because you are understanding, right? Like you're processing and talking through everything with your therapist, but your womb is still holding onto the pain of that miscarriage. Like your body still remembers that. And so until you hold space, right? Until you hold space for that healing to occur, we still hold on to those things. And so I know that was a long answer, but bringing the body into the healing process is, it's crucial. Like it's a non-negotiable and it's something that we all have to be doing if we really want to move forward. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that example. I think that really well illustrates this importance of doing both the mind and the body mm -hmm. healing. Cause like, um, this woman that your friend that you were talking to, right. When I first started my journey in mental health, very similar. I was doing all of the reading talk therapy, like I said, affirmations, like mm -hmm. trying to rewire my brain, yeah. but then there would still be a lot of those feelings that would come up from my body of like, okay, well, I know logically that I shouldn't be anxious in this moment on a zoom call, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, but that feeling would still come up from the body. And so for me personally, somatic work has just been huge, like actually releasing that energy. So I'm excited to, to dive deeper into this. And first, I just want to drive home that point that you made there about, you know, a lot of the time we process it mentally mm -hmm. and we understand it, but we haven't actually released it. Yeah. 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 And, and, and when we do that, <clears throat> excuse me, we get stuck. Like that is how people get stuck in like, you know, their, their junk. I, you know, I, I want to say like, I was stuck in my own trauma for so long. And so going back to my unhealthy relationship with food, I tried for years. I, my, I did my first diet the summer after eighth grade. Like I remember very vividly because I was overweight in middle school and I didn't feel good, good about my body. And pretty much from eight, from um, after eighth grade. So let's just say like 13 or 14 up until mid thirties, I was struggling with managing my weight and like keeping the weight off. I would lose the weight. I would gain the weight. It was like those same, just 10, maybe 15 pounds, like just continuously being recycled. And it wasn't until I started working on, once I stopped focusing on just the physical. So like once I stopped just saying, okay, what diet do I need to do? And like, what meal plan do I need to do? Once I started saying like, what is it that I need to release? Like what is causing me to overeat, right? Like what emotions are causing me to overeat and have this unhealthy relationship? Once I started addressing those things, the weight just fell off and I've been able to manage it now for the last couple of years, which, you know, was impossible for my entire life. And that's the thing. It's like, we oftentimes treat, we approach our problems from a topical approach or again, like just from the mind. But if my my body was still holding on to decades of unaddressed stress and trauma that was causing me to want to overeat and have this unhealthy relationship. And so it's like, when, when someone's struggling with something like emotional eating, it's like, well, what emotions are at the root of that emotional eating? The body's holding those things. And that's what we have to work on and address. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you kind of got your start in this wellness space. I actually had a similar background. I started off in personal training and nutrition coaching, and I found similar things, right? A lot of the time we want to change our body. It can be something from weight loss, even Mm -hmm. to like pain, right? Like if you have like a a hip pain, for example, a lot of the time that actually comes back to emotional stuff. And so for you, where did you start, I guess, diving deeper into this like emotional somatic healing? My journey was interesting. Um, So right around the time that COVID kind of like came on the map for us, you know, it was kind of like easing over from Asia. Um, So February, March of 2020, I was at a really low point in my life. I had just had my second daughter. I walked away from my job at the end of December, 2019, but I didn't really have a plan. My original plan was like very loose plan was to stay out of work for a couple of extra months. I was, so instead of like a, you know, two month maternity leave, six weeks, I was like, I'm going to take six months. And so my plan originally was to go back to work, maybe like June of 2020. And then here comes COVID and like, you know, no one's, people are getting laid off. And so like the idea of starting a job and miss it. That was crazy. But there was just all of these things going on, finances and marital challenges and, you know, a newborn and trying to balance all of these things, launching, starting a new business. I was overwhelmed. I was um, in a really low space. And all that I knew at that time to do was just to be still. Um, You know, a lot of times when we are in that sort of space, we just want to like look and try to find the answer and solution. And that was my typical approach. But for some reason, I guess my, my, that wise higher self was like, just be still. And so I started, you know, just sitting in stillness, like meditating very like loosely at that time. Um, but just like being still. And it was, it was right again at the top of COVID that I got this download. It was a whisper that was so clear, almost like the conversation that we're having today. And it said, um, focus on your mind, your body and your soul or your spirit for every day for the next 90 days. And that's what I did literally for three months. I did something for my mind, body and spirit every day. So that looked like listening to motivating podcasts and reading, you know, helpful books, listening to motivate, motivating things on YouTube. So I was feeding my mind, like focusing on my mental health that way. I was conscious about the music and the things that I was taking in also. As far as the body goes, I worked out and moved my body every single day, whether it was going and going for a walk, doing yoga, like doing a home workout because we were in quarantine, but I was doing something for my body every day. And then spirit wise or soul wise, I was meditating, right? Like I was being still and that 90 days, Nicole changed the trajectory of my life. Like I can confidently say I would not be sitting in front of you now having this conversation had it not been for me honoring that voice. When I came out of that 90 days, I felt like a completely new person. Physically, I had maybe lost like 10 or 15 pounds, but that wasn't the transformation. The transformation was internal. The transformation was 90 days of like nourishing myself and pouring into myself, being consistent, like keeping my word to myself. It was like a new mindset because I was listening to all of these like positive things and all these like, you know, motivation and mindset focused things. And I came out of that and I just wanted like everyone to feel this like aliveness that I had felt. And I didn't realize right until after that, how much I was just kind of walking around and existing on like autopilot every day and just kind of feeling blah and numb. I felt alive for the first time, you know, in however long I could remember. And that was the start of all of this. And since then I've continued to 
honor that like nourishing process. It looks different from day to day. And so maybe some days I only have time for a podcast and I don't get to move my body. Or maybe some days I might just get to go to yoga and I don't get to do the other thing. But most days, like three and a half, almost four years later, I still try to do one, maybe two things for myself a day just to pour into myself. And that has just helped me tremendously. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. When you were sharing that story of you meditating and getting that download, I just got goosebumps. Like, <laughs> and it's amazing that you stuck with it too, because yeah. a lot of the time we'll, we'll receive a message like that to focus on something. And then, you know, we go all bird brained and mm-hmm. <laughs> go off and do something else. And so within those 90 days, you were able to see a transformation, which I think is really inspiring. So for anybody listening, if you're maybe new to this, I know a lot of the time, if you're somebody who experiences with it, experiences anxiety, meditation can feel really difficult because there's so many thoughts racing through, right? It can feel difficult to stay still. And so what advice would you give to that person to help them kind of get started with bringing more mindfulness? Yeah, that's a great question. So for anyone who struggles with meditation, I think there's two things. So the first thing is there's this myth that when you meditate, your mind is supposed to stop and be completely quiet. And like people feel like they're not doing it right if their mind doesn't shut up. And I'm like, that's not the point of meditation. Meditation is essentially like mental exercise for your mind, the same way that you go to the gym or work out to physically, you know, exercise and enhance your body. The first time you go to the gym, the first week, the first month, you're not just going to be like lifting the heaviest of weights and like running super fast on the treadmill. You have to ease in, like you have to ease in, take baby steps, like, you know, start small and build. And it's the same thing with meditation. And so if you've never meditated or maybe you tried and, you know, did it for a week or so and then fell off and then you just think that like, I'm going to sit down and my brain is going to be quiet. That's just an unrealistic expectation in general. And so my first piece of advice is to recognize that meditation is not about silencing the mind. It's about building. It's about mindfulness. It's about awareness. And so when you meditate, you bec- you become more aware of your thoughts. And so it's almost like watching the thoughts go by like mo- a movie as if you're watching a movie on a movie screen. It's just ob- it's just about observation. And so if you're if you're sitting down to meditate and you're trying to quiet the thoughts, that's not the point. You sit down and meditate and you just observe the thoughts because what happens is the practice on the mat becomes the practice off of the mat. And when you have those thoughts, when you're off of the mat or off of the cushion, you're now more observant. You're more mindful of those thoughts. You can begin to redirect those thoughts. That is the point of meditation. And so the first piece of that is just recognizing what meditation is about. And then my next piece of advice would be two things. It would be to start small and build. Don't sit down and try to meditate for 10 minutes if you've never meditated before, or if you are typically someone who is anxious and has racing thoughts, because that's just too much. Start with a minute, start with two minutes. And as you sit and focus, going back to what you said, just focus on the breath and let the breath be your anchor. So don't be so like focused on the thoughts and trying to stop the mind. Let your breath be your anchor. Just focus on how the the breath feels as it comes in and as it releases. And what happens is, We think that we're really good at multitasking, but our minds are actually not. When you give your mind something to focus on and you just diligently focus on that thing, the thoughts will eventually subside and become quiet. And so giving yourself something, whether it's a chant or a mantra, an affirmation, something to focus on as an anchor is helpful. The last thing I'll say is that if it's hard to be still and meditate, don't force yourself to be still. 
get outside, go walk in nature, turn the phone off, turn the podcast or the music off and just be present with yourself in that moment. That is an act of meditation. It's just moving while you're meditating. But meditation is about present moment awareness. And so if you're sitting at a chair or, you know, you can be sitting at your desk, there's a ton of ways that you can meditate. There's no right or wrong, wrong way to do it. Yeah. And I think that that is such an important piece here because so many of us, when we think about meditation, we think about that image of, you know, like a Buddha Mm -hmm. sitting cross-legged and Mm -hmm. that's not the case for a lot of us, right? We can't necessarily do that to start. And so I like that you touched on that idea of, you know, don't necessarily be still go outside or do movement. Like yoga can also be meditative, right? Yeah. In the shower, I always like, I have a few places where I I'm much more mindful when I'm in the shower. I get some of my best downloads because usually I'm just like present in that moment. And so that's another thing, like you can be in the shower and just bring your thoughts to that present moment, focus on how the water feels as it's hitting your body, focus on like the sound, you know, the smells, like really ground yourself into that moment. That's an act of meditation. Again, meditation is just about like bringing yourself into the present because we don't, we are so used to having our minds being controlled and like running things. We're so used to the mental chatter that we don't even realize that 50% of our thoughts are in the past and 50% are in the future. We're never in the present. We're, you know, we're, we're having a conversation with someone, but we're thinking about all of the things that we need to do tomorrow or next week and all of the deadlines. And so Meditation is just about like bringing yourself back to the present moment, which is something that for many of us is really hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Especially if you're someone who resonates with being anxious and ambitious. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about this before on the podcast, but both of those are things that are in the future, right? It's living in the future. So it's so important for us to anchor ourselves back into the present because that's where action happens, right? We can't yeah. even achieve those dreams if we're not here in the now. Yeah. And so um, something else that I liked that you touched on there is that this is a mental exercise. Mm-hmm. So practice, because yeah. like you mentioned, right? Sometimes if you sit down and you're like, I'm horrible at meditating, I'm maybe not meant for this. I definitely felt that way. I remember I was just reflecting on this back the other day, actually, where it was like, when I first started meditating, my brain had so many images, thoughts, mm-hmm. like, I could not create any calmness. If you told me a decade ago that I'd be able to eventually close my eyes and experience peace, I would not have believed you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's taken practice and years of, of releasing and reconnecting with that part of myself. But I just think that's a really important point to touch on is just practice, right? Even if you yeah. only practice for a minute and anchor mm-hmm. it to something like I love that shower practice that you mentioned, because I think that's the easiest way to implement self-care is like tack it onto something. Yeah. I also want to say that there's no right or wrong way to meditate. And again, like as soon as we get that expectation out of our head of what it's supposed to be, it gives us permission to just be. I've been meditating consistently for years and there are days where I will sit down and my mind will just continue to race because there's so much going on that I can't get it to be quiet. And that's okay. Like I just honor, okay, yeah, I got a lot to do today. I got a lot that I got to get done. And like, that's just the space that I'm in. So it's okay if like sometimes you sit down and your mind won't be quiet, right? Like that is where practices like breath work together with meditation become helpful. I typically, if I have the time, I don't always have the time to do both, but in like the perfect world, when I have the time in the morning, I will do breath work before meditation because it helps to like ground me and it helps to quiet the mind. Breath work is, so when we 
practice breath work. It's deep breathing. We trigger our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our like rest and digest or rest and restore. So when you, when you turn on the parasympathetic nervous system, it quiets the thoughts, it calms the mind, it calms the body when you're breathing. So doing that before you meditate can be helpful because now the mind is quiet. Like now the, 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 the wild animal is tamed a bit. And it's like, now you can go into the meditative practice. So that can also be helpful for someone who is new to the practice is maybe pause and take some deep belly breaths, right? Like just breathing into the belly and focusing on the, you know, focusing on the breath and how it feels as it's, as you're breathing in and out, do that for a minute or two and then try to meditate. And nine times out of 10, you will notice that it's easier because you've like eased yourself into the practice. You've, you begin to calm the mind and calm the body. And so your, your mind is going to be a little bit more receptive at that point and being still. Mm, Yeah. I love that idea. Using that breath as a tool, right. Mm -hmm. To help us like we had been mentioning anchor and get out of that busyness of the mind, because we all know it's exhausting to live up there too, if you've experienced that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this, this has been great, right? We've been talking so much about getting into the present moment. And I want to just switch gears a little bit here, because I know that you also talk a lot about like actually releasing stress and trauma from the past. And so how does that play into these somatic practices? Like, how do you work with these practices to then go and release stuff from the past? So the title of the book is called Hold Space to Heal because literally it's about holding space. You don't, there's not much to do. Like you don't have to do much. You just have to give your body time to do what it needs to do. Our bodies are smart. They are really beautiful vessels that are self-healing vessels. So you get a cut, you don't have to like tell your arm, okay, now it's time to heal the cut. Like it's just going to do it. Like it knows what to do. The problem is that we don't give ourselves the space to let our bodies do what they need to do. And so for me, holding space has looked like restorative yoga, I will say has been one of my like most helpful practice when it comes to releasing pat like stored energy, you know, stored trauma from the body. Because all you do in restorative yoga is you sit in like very supported positions with pillows and props. It's like, it's like a big hug almost. Like when you when you think about traditional vinyasa yoga, there's the asana or the posture, you're moving, you know, there's the breath, all of these things. For anyone who's not familiar with restorative yoga, you have props. So you have pillows and blankets and you know, bolsters and um all blocks, all of these things. And they literally are intended to support the body. And so for me, a lot of my stress and trauma was released by just laying in a position. You hold those positions for a longer time. So three, five, seven minutes. And when I was doing that, like that is when all of the memories, all of the emotions would come up. And I would just like be able to release the things. Um, again, like we're moving, we're always going, we're busy. We don't, we don't sit still long enough for our bodies to release, to do what they need to do. And so there's nothing special. It's just like, be still, like be still, whether it's meditation or, you know, breath work, whatever it is, just be still, let your body do what it needs to do, but you have to make space for that. You have to hold space for that. And so the title is very intentional. It's very literal because the minute that you sit still, those things will come up. And the reality is that most people don't want to face those things. So they don't sit still, right? Like, because those memories can be hard and, you know, sometimes it's painful to revisit those things. However, you have to go through, right? The, the darkness, the, the toughness you or not the uh, toughness. You have to go 
through the darkness to get to the other side. If you try to go around it, if you try to avoid it, you're still going to hang on to it. Um, And so that is an important aspect of releasing is like allowing yourself to face those hard memories and things that you try often to forget. Because once it comes up, like your body knows what it's doing. It wants to let it go. It wants to release it. Emotions are energy in motion. So when those emotions come up, they are coming up to be released. The problem is that like we often try to stuff it back down. I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to remember that. And then like now I'm still holding on to that past trauma. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that you've mentioned, you know, it's just important for us to hold that space for our Mm -hmm. body because like you said, we're a heady society, I think Mm -hmm. is the word that you used at the beginning of this. And it's so true. So how is our body ever supposed to give us this chance to heal and to process what it was made to do if we don't actually give us ourselves a chance to sit with it? right? Mm -hmm. Instead, we probably have that thought come in and, all right, I'm just going to go scroll on social media for distracting ourselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so I guess for people who are maybe new to diving into this and might be scared that if they hold that space for their body, some things might come up that they don't want to revisit Mm -hmm. or they don't want to process. What would you say to them? Mm. So I first want to just like honor and name that I, that I see those people and I feel that because there were a lot of things from my past that I had completely stuffed down for decades and didn't want to remember. The one thing that I will say is that we can't, we can't selectively numb our emotions. So when you numb the pain, when you numb the the dark moments or the hard times, you also numb the joy and the happiness and the bliss. And that is what I talk about in the book. And Brene Brown actually um, is the person who I first learned that from. Like, there is no, I'm just going to like put this away. It's, I'm going to put all of it away. And that is when I said that, like I did that 90 day, um, uh, you know, self-care practice and came out feeling alive. It was because I realized like I had been numb for most of my life because I was trying to forget things that happened in my childhood that I was ashamed of. And so I could not get to the joy and the happiness and the peace if I didn't allow myself to feel right. The things that I was trying to forget, they it like the two are, you know, it, it's one and the other. It's not, I'm just going to like bury these things. And so for a lot of us, we've buried We've tried to forget parts of our lives, but in the midst of that, like we've just numbed out completely. And so there's really no way to get to the other side without going through it. I will say though, and I say this in my book also, if you need support as you're holding space, like seek support, whether that's a therapist, a coach, a trusted family member, a friend, if you feel like what you're going to be facing is really hard and you know that you're going to be, you know, you might have a hard time facing that on your own, don't face it on your own. Um, but you do have to give your body that space in conjunction with working with a therapist or something along those lines. We've talked about that extensively, but I think that, you know, it, it can be really, it was for me, like there were things I, and I, I share, like there was, there was, um, a, I, as a child, like participated and just being curious about my body with someone that was really close to me. But then I felt a lot of guilt and a lot of shame about that later, Um, which, you know, as a child, like it's normal to be curious and explore. The problem is that when you don't grow up in a home where you talk about those things and like, you know, normalize those things, you will figure out, right, like how to uh, fulfill those curiosities, but not in ways that always make you feel good. And so for over two decades, like I held on to the shame of like, you know, something from my childhood. And that was such a huge part of my life. 
And although that those specific memories were not the things that came up, there was just so much shame, like so much guilt. And that was just how I existed in the world, like so much unworthiness. And it wasn't until I allowed my body to like bring those things back up that I had like totally shut away for over two decades and forgot about that I was then able to like let that go and begin to experience life with more joy. Um, and so we have to, we have to experience it, but you don't have to stay stuck in it. You can let yourself feel it and then let your body release it because that's really what your body wants to do. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so key. I mean, we have to experience this, as you mentioned, we kind of have to move through that darkness to some Mm -hmm. extent, but we don't have to sit in it. We don't have to stay stuck in it. And Mm -hmm. I love that you've drawn home this point that, you know, when we release these negative emotions, it actually allows us to feel and experience more positive emotions in our life. Like you may have trapped down some moment that made you feel anxious in the past, for example, but there was also maybe some joy that was happening in that moment that now has been stifled as well. So I think that's super key. And, and even just driving home this point again, I know we talk about this a lot, but like go seek out a therapist, seek out a coach, right? You don't have to walk through this journey alone, especially if it feels scary. And I would add something that's helped me personally, because I know this was something really scary for me. I felt that when I'm able to engage with my imagination, you could say with memories, it gets really vivid really quickly. And so I was scared that I would get sort of stuck in that trauma again and not be able to escape that memory. And something that was really helpful for me, of course, in addition to working with someone else to help me walk through that was developing a safe space. Mm -hmm. So as part of a meditation practice for our listeners, you know, you can practice getting into a space you could, this could be real or imaginative for me. My most recent safe space is a particular memory from my honeymoon, because I can remember myself just deep breathing so much in that moment and feeling so warm and supported. So whatever that looks like for you, right. I know even for some clients I've worked with, it's even just like being in the womb somewhere safe that when you think about that moment, it brings you back into that regulated, smooth place. So yeah, that's, that's such good advice. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so I know you talk a lot about, you know, nervous system regulation too. And so for you, you know, we've talked about breath work, yoga, has there been anything else that's been really impactful for you in that sense? Stillness, I will say. Um, So definitely the somatic practices, but for me, I used to be, and I'm sure probably a lot of people listening can relate to this. I used to be someone who stayed busy and distracted so that I would not have to like think about and face things. Um, and it was also, so I was diagnosed with high functioning trauma um, maybe about two years ago now. And what that essentially is, is not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough. And so trying to overcompensate and always being busy and like overworking and overachieving to like mask what I'm feeling inside. And so the idea of like sitting with myself and sitting with my feelings and like unmasking and, you know, sitting in my, my shit, if I can say was like really scary for me stillness and just like being still and like letting my body, um, not be always going and moving was really, it has been continues to be really helpful for my nervous system. And so bringing it back to what I said earlier about ecotherapy, I am someone who has found that nature is very grounding for me. I'm an Aquarius, I'm a water sign. And so anytime that I can be by water, anytime that I can like plant my feet on the earth, anytime that I can go and like stroke a tree, which I never thought I would be like a tree hugger, but I am. Anytime I can do any of those things, it's very grounding for me. It's very soothing for me. It helps to calm my nervous system. And so in addition to the somatic practices, like actually getting my body outside and being outside, you know, fresh air, 
you know, sun, like though that is, those practices are also very helpful. And so in the warmer months in the fall, I am outside as much as possible. It's really hot in Baltimore right now. There's like a heat wave happening, but when the weather um, is conducive, I'm outside. And I would also say that like for anyone that's listening that maybe just wants to like start easing in, getting out in nature is such a beautiful grounding way to calm and regulate the nervous system. And that is a, a really helpful place to start also. And I think you have to kind of like, you know, if you're if you're new to ecotherapy, because we can't just assume that everyone goes outside, you have to find what works for you. So again, for me, I've found that being by water and listening to the water and like watching the water is very soothing. And so sometimes I will literally just go and sit by the water and be still if I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious, because, you know, sometimes when life starts happening, Sometimes when the things that we are desiring start coming in, you can feel that like shift in energy and it can be a little bit scary. Like there's like, am I going to be able to handle all this? Like, you know, am I going to fail? Like all of those things begin to come up and it's gotten better for me. But those thoughts used to be like, they would like take me out. Like I, I've had a lot of fear that I've had to work through also in therapy, like fear of success. And so whenever I felt myself getting closer to the things that I was asking for, like I would get really overwhelmed and I would be so afraid of like, what if I fail? Like, what if I can't handle all of these things? And so whenever I felt myself getting to that point, I would go outside and like sit by the water and just like let the water calm me like Pachamama, the earth. She is very nurturing, very motherly. And she, you know, is soothing in that way, just like a, a, a loving mother would be. And so that would be like my other go-to practice is get outside, like take your shoes off, put your feet on the ground, you know, ground yourself, let, let the earth absorb that energy. Um, and that is a very helpful practice, I would say for, you know, soothing and grounding and calming the nervous system as well. Yeah, that's genius. And I think it's so underrated in today's society is just this power of nature, right? Many of us, like I mentioned before, go to our phones to soothe ourselves, but mm -hmm. our phones actually get paid to keep us, you know, hooked mm -hmm. on cortisol, on dopamine, right on edge all the time, but nature, it doesn't have those same motives. So I think that's such a beautiful practice that, you know, you mentioned and something that you said that really stood out to me was how for a while there you would overcompensate, right? Overachieve to try to sort of drown out all mm -hmm. of that emotional noise, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think probably a lot of our listeners can relate to that being ambitious, being a high achiever. This is something a lot of the time we do, right? If we feel uncomfortable, we get into doing mode and mm -hmm. all right, well, I'm going to move on to the next location because where I'm at right now isn't comfortable. Mm -hmm. And you're a very ambitious woman yourself with all of your coaching that you do, your podcast, your book. And so for you, what has been helpful in managing you know, still staying motivated and going after those ambitions, but finding that balance. I think that for me, I've had to sit with the voice in my head that was causing me to overwork and telling me that I wasn't good enough. And so today my actions come from a different place. They come from a de desire to serve. They come from a desire to walk in my my purpose. It comes from understanding who I am and like what my soul came here to do. Like I've spent time getting to know myself and understanding myself in that way. Whereas previously, like I was doing the things, I was chasing the accolades. I was like checking all the boxes that society tells us to check off, but I was doing those things to, to look good to other people for the external validation, right? To, to do the things that we are programmed and conditioned to believe that we are supposed to do. And what 
I, there was a disconnect. There was like, there was the version of me that was showing up to the world and like, you know, everyone's applauding me and congratulating me and telling me how great of a job that I'm doing. But then when the curtain would close and the show was over, I would feel so unworthy. So, so much fear would be there. So much guilt, so much shame. And like who I presented myself to was not the same version of myself that I saw. And so a part of my own healing journey has been that releasing, has been that reconnecting and has been like remembering who I am and my power. And so today, like I feel so strongly about the work that I've done because that voice is no longer here. Not that like it never comes up, but like the way that it used to drive me, it doesn't drive me anymore. And I talked about on my podcast, like 2021, I think was a year. It was a big unmasking year for me. So it was like, I get to take off this mask that I've worn my entire life. And I get to just show up and like, say, I'm afraid a lot. I get to show up and say that, you know, I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to mess up. Like, I get to show up however I am and it's like, you're going to be okay with that or you're not going to be okay with that, but I'm okay. Like I'm okay. And that's what matters. And so a big part of, I think like working through the fear and quieting the anxiety and all of these things has been getting to know myself and me being okay with myself and not needing external validation or applause or any of the things that we sometimes seek out. If you like me, that's great. And if you don't, cool, just not your cup of tea. Um, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world. Everyone's not going to like you or everyone's not going to be on board with what you're doing. But I will say that getting to know myself. So like really working on the relationship with myself has been such a critical piece of quieting that voice because what it was before is that I had just had a really hard time seeing myself. It was like everyone else could tell me how amazing I was, but I didn't see that for myself. And so a part of remembering has been understanding my gifts and, you know, my contributions and my light and just being okay with letting that shine and not dimming that, right, for fear or for all the things that we typically, um, you know, go through when it comes to not letting ourselves be seen. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it really shows that you've you've embodied your ambition. Mm. You know, you're living in your truth as opposed to just chasing down the accolades or the external validation, which I mean, we've all been there, I think, at some point, right? It's what we're conditioned to believe that this is what ambitious people do, right? Um, But it's so much more not only impactful, but also fulfilling when you can do it from that internal place. So that's really beautiful. Thank you. That's the perfect word. That is the perfect word because that is really what it was for me. And I will say that like, even as a wellness instructor, and obviously like I'm not perfect. I still have days where I do things that I'm not proud of, especially as a mother. Sometimes it's really hard, but the embodiment was important. It was like, I can teach these things all day, but I, you know, if if I'm not living it for myself, like it's not authentic. And so breath work is such a big part of my life. Yoga is something like I do these things all the time and I've seen the difference. And it, it really is about that embodiment piece. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to do and to be. Mm. Mm, I love that. It's another thing to do and to be. Oh, okay. Well, insert fire emoji there. And- <laughs> <laughs> This has been really amazing, Dominice, and I feel like I could talk with you for hours, but I do want to wrap up our conversation here. And so for our listeners who, of course, are going to want to learn more, hear more from you, where can they connect with you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram as Dominice R. Clifton, and I always say just catch my name in the show notes because it's really long. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, those are, I would say like the two main places where I hang out. And then of course my website, if folks want to learn more about my work is movexstill.com. My book hold space to heal is on Amazon. And the last thing that I will share is, so all of the practice that we've talked about 
practices that we've talked about today are things that I do on a daily basis for nourishment. I recently um, created a soul care card deck. So not self-care, soul care. Um, And it focuses on mind, body, and soul. And it's a deck of 44 cards. And they're great for ambitious women because all of the activities range from three to 30 minutes. And the idea is that you have at least one thing that you can do every day to nourish yourself. And so that's called the Nourished Soul Care Card Deck. And so that's a ton of things like outside of the seven that, you know, I talk about in my book, but that's a ton of things that you can do for like daily nourishment. And so those are all of the things that I'm really proud of right now um, and all the places to find me and stay connected. That's amazing. Yeah. So make sure that you go and connect with Dominice. And as a reminder too, Dominice also has a podcast. So you can go go listen to that too. Uh, Her podcast is called The School of Healing. So you you can head over to that as well. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation, Dominice. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. It has been a joy talking to you today. Yeah. And to our listeners, if you've made it to this point, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you have found this conversation to be insightful, inspiring, and I hope that you've taken away some practices that you can implement in your daily life to start ditching some of that stress and integrating more calmness using some of these somatic practices that Dominice has so kindly shared with us today. So thank you again for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on social media. We'd love to hear what you think. Engage with us. You know, if you have any questions, maybe we can do a follow-up episode to answer those. So please reach out. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Anxious and Ambitious podcast.